0: Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, growing in the green industry. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Capariss of Include Software, Neil Glatt from Grow the Bench, and Luke Melingrano of Mariani Lansky. How's it going today, guys? How are you, Miles? How are you, well, How are you doing I'm, today, Miles? I'm great. I'm, I'm actually excellent. So off the day with two coffees. So today our guest is Taylor. Uh, Mil- Milliken, is that how you say it, Taylor?
1: It is, yes, sir. It's Milliken.
0: Oh, Milliken, awesome. Uh, with M- Melosi Landscape? Yes. Cool. Just got to make sure I say those pronunciations right. Um, and so Taylor is the owner and president of Melosi Landscape Company based out of Tennessee. Uh, personal and professional development is the foremost on Taylor's list of values. He says, You cannot grow a business without growing yourself, the business will outgrow you be the consummate learner, Taylor is constantly applying what he learns to improve and role model for others. His greatest gift is his love for coaching, coaching his staff, coaching other small business owners, even his son's little league team. Servant leadership is his highest priority and what he wants to be remembered for most. Well, that and stakes, apparently. We were talking about that earlier, and uh, he, likes to, he likes to get on the grill. So, uh, he's, uh, him and his wife, Samantha, have three kids, Gunner, Scout, and Remy and Taylor is there anything that I missed on that bio
1: no no I'm uh I'm currently training I love to uh, I love endurance um training biking running swimming and um uh, just like what you had mentioned about coaching I just got a, a call from my youngest son's Remy he just turned four from his new coach and he asked also for me to coach so it looks like I'm going to be uh, helping out with his t-ball team, and also my oldest son's now uh, flag football team, so looks like I'm gonna have a busy fall.
0: Nice. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Well, that's cool. Um, so, uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. You know, the whole goal of uh, our podcast is to kind of bring value to young professionals and other professionals in the landscape industry, and uh, we like to bring on guests and uh, just kind of chat and kind of converse about like what's going on in life and how you're handling things. So the first thing I did on when I was researching, I saw on your website, how you guys have uh, this like banner on top, right? It says our family cares about your family. We're giving out grocery store gift cards. No no questions asked. Email us at info at melosilandscape.com. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes. um, So we really were inspired um, when I went to the conference in Charlotte with the Loving Company, and they have an inreach and an outreach program, and we've always done certain things every year for someone in the community, whether it's a, a widow or, um, you know, whether it's a, some sort of community project, but honestly, I left that trip, that conference, which is part of our continual education. It's a budget that we have every year that we want to go, and really, we take some team members, too, but I came came back from that trip and said we needed to do more and was inspired by what Mike and his team's doing. And, and then of course, as soon as we got back COVID hit um, cause that trips in February, I think the end of February and then COVID broke out in March and um, and it was just really the, the, the perfect time for us to start an outreach program. And that was one thing that our team came up with that there's a lot of families in need. And, uh, we said, well, you know, what's the one thing that all families need is food. And so we, uh, um, actually Lene, uh, who was on our team, she, she's the one that really pioneered this gift cards to grocery stores, um, and kind of no questions asked. There's no, um, you don't have to, um, you know, qualify, right? So we don't want to shame someone into it. We don't have to know your story. Um, we just really feel like that with the honor code, if you feel like that you need a gift card to help your family eat, then then we want to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. and um, I, I never really I know I know I know at the Loving Company they got they got some really cool like culture stuff and they're all about that. So I can see where you can take yeah. the inspiration from them. But that's really cool how you just like turned around and implemented that. I think that's I think that's like what kind of helps those things stick, right? When you're doing continue education, that's like the hardest part is to kind of take something that you learned and grab a hold of it, right?
1: Absolutely. It's um uh, you know it's one of the the things that, especially my team used to always say when I came back from conferences, you know, I'd have a, a, just a list of, of things. Um, now it's, it's, we say, look, if we're gonna spend money uh, taking the team somewhere, everybody has to come back with at least one idea that they're gonna stand behind and own, um, and so that was one thing that I brought back that I felt, um, again, it's, it is part of our culture, it's helping, but also our, our core purpose is let's grow beautiful together. And I know today we're gonna talk about growth um, and so that's that's in that same vein of really helping grow our community. Um, but we didn't we're not looking for any any pat on the back or applause. It was just really a, a token to reach out and help uh, help people in need.
2: I think it takes everybody giving back, right And uh, when you're blessed and you're able to bless other people that's that's the beauty of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious when you say you take your team to these conferences and it's a budget item how many people do you employ and how big is the team that you take? Cause I always see an owner, an owner and a GM at, you know, national conferences, but I never really see the depth of, of the team. Um, and, and there's some exceptions, but how many people do you bring typically?
1: Sure. Um, good question. Now we, this is just one thing that we do. We, uh, we also are, uh, but to answer your question for that particular event, we usually take, um, as we've grown, we've been able to grow that budget. Right when you first get started, that's a significant investment, and um, and especially early on when we weren't making much money. You know, we were growing, but we really didn't have a lot of money left at the end of the year. Um, those were always um, hard, kind of hard bills to pay, especially airfare, um, and then uh, and hotel rooms and accommodations. Um, and then, of course, we also try to bring. Uh, not just a bunch of men, you know, because we, we firmly believe that, um, you know, we want more and more, you know, females in the uh, in the green industry. And so we bring our office administrator, we bring maybe a, a CRM. So then you've obviously, then you've got more rooms because you can't bunk up together, <laughs> you know, with uh, so there were times where we might have four people, but we have three rooms. And so it just, it added costs, but we're currently taking about six people a year to that event, Um, I think last year we ended up taking four. Um, but even at the GIE, we've sometimes taken 10 to 15 people to the GIE in the fall. Um, you know, have a big dinner, take people, um, set them up in some classes. And most people in our industry love to walk around and look at all the new equipment. So, uh, personally, that's not even my favorite thing. My favorite part was actually sitting in the classes and learning. Um, but I'm a little bit different, a little bit more of a, uh, kind of a, a dork when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but our team loved going up there, just looking at all the new equipment. Um, so that was another area uh, that we like to invest in our team. And it's a reward, right? It's a reward for all their hard work. And um, and we even paid them. So they were on the clock. So our hourly team members, we took them to Louisville. We paid them eight hour days, um, plus their dinner and everything else. So it was a it was a neat treat for them.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome when you can do that and – Certainly, we're all disappointed we won't be in Louisville together. uh, But I am excited for virtual landscapes, which has been announced. And um, Zoom with champions will be replacing Breakfast with champions. So hopefully, uh, I think it opens the opportunity for more people at more companies to get involved who haven't necessarily in the past, right? Like Mm. if it's virtual, sign up everybody. You know, that's what I think is the opportunity here. Luke, yeah, how many was,
0: people oh, – Sorry. Go ahead, there, Taylor.
1: No, I was gonna say, you Neil. Know, I was I was disappointed when I got the email. I think it came out last week uh, that the GIE was canceled, and and I forwarded that over to Karen. Nell. she's our director over Employee Success, and um, and uh, but I did tell her, and this is another thing that's just important to us. There are budgets that we try to save money in, and then there are budgets that we want. I said, hey, the money earmarked to take our team there this year. So make sure you find a new a new uh, source uh, for education. Because um, this is something that we want to spend this year.
0: It's pretty cool, Luke. How many people come from uh, from your team to to the conferences? I know that you're here on the East Coast, what earlier this year or last year? But
3: yeah, so uh, I mean, I think it depends on each event. I mean, sure. typically Landscapes is always our big event that we send the most people to. Usually, it's six to six to eight, I would say, including you know Frank and some of the upper upper leadership of the company. Um, but we do go typically on some of these other trips. Uh, we usually always send uh, one or two people down to grow, uh, like Taylor was talking about. Uh, you know, I went earlier down to uh maryland and was with uh the the team over at rupert so it all just kind of depends on what what each uh session is and or what what each topic we're going to be covering and and who we send so uh, i mean it's like taylor said it's it's a big part of our culture too is is going to these events learning uh and you know figuring out how to how we can make our team how we can make our company better uh you know take away take away one thing we we go to these things and it's yeah we all have a good time and and hang out and you get to see the equipment and stuff like that but when we get back we sit down as a team of who went and some of the management team who didn't go and we review everything we review what what our big takeaways were um how we can better implement them within the company so uh you know you got to take that next step uh, it's not just about going there and writing it all down on a piece of paper. You have to figure out how, to, how you can best utilize it within your company. So,
0: Yeah, and that's, I think that's a skill. So I think that kind of leads into our next kind of topic that I really want to dive into is the topic of coaching. And since you love it, I would love to hear your perspective on it. And, I, and a reoccurring theme that always comes up in these podcasts um, is the topic of mentorship for young professionals right so students or people who are early on in their careers like and uh, seemingly like either the lack of mentorships or like trying to find the right mentor or having a good person in your life that you can pick out and say that person will be a good mentor to me like I should pursue that so since you love coaching can you share about a little about little bit about what your strategies are like why you love it and like what what you find works best
1: yeah, definitely uh Miles. So um I I contribute somebody, one of a, a friend that we're um actually have partnered with. They're building our new our new facility that I'm so excited about, you know, nineteen years in business and we finally are gonna have our own uh, office and shop and I'm not gonna be leasing from um from anybody, um nice. at least in one of our locations. So but they asked. They had mentioned something the other day, and um, he knows of me and my family. And they were just, you know, saying, "Taylor, you're a hard worker." Blah, blah, blah. And um, and I, said, you know, very much appreciate it. And that's one thing that I will own. I won't ever uh, say that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I'll absolutely uh, try my best to outwork anybody. And I think that that hard work goes a very long way. Um, and so, with that being said, I think that my dad really coached me on how to work hard from an early age. And uh, that was the story that I was kind of given this guy named Eric, uh, who worked for this general contracting firm that's uh, friends of our family. Um, so I can look back and, and really trace a lot of what I, I cherish right now to my upbringing and how I was raised from my mom and my dad. And then, um, and then that, you know, I played organized sports all through, all through school, um, you know, football, track. Actually, played tennis, soccer. Um, little funny fact: I even lettered on the girls' basketball team. Got a little, uh, a little pin that you get from school, and uh, to prove it. Um, even my that's buddy, on your
3: desk all the time. It, isn't it like? is.
1: <laughs> it is. That's my my most the highest honor. Um, but anyways, but and uh, I really latched on to my coaches. Um, and, uh, I was fortunate enough to have some really good coaches early on from even from the you know, Pee Wee football when I started playing when I was nine. And, um, I understood that the more that you listened, the more that you learned. And, um, and then you just, it's just all about application. Um, of course, when, when I was young, I had no idea what I was doing. It just, it just kind of somehow happened naturally because my parents instilled in me the, at um, a level of respect for adults, you know, it was young men. You better listen to your, you know, your your coaches and your teachers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, and then that led into us starting the business. I started it right out of high school when I was nineteen. And um, and very early on, knew that I knew how to work really hard, but I knew nothing about business. Uh, so I hired my first consultant, which was actually Char- late, uh, Charles Charles Vanderkoy um and he Mark Borst was the actual consultant that came in and and helped me and then from there I hired Ed LaFlam and Ed LaFlam um worked with him for a while and then also I hired um a Judith Lerner Judith Lerner was uh, an executive coach for the Emith revisited um you know brand and that was one of the first books that made me realize just how little I knew about business and uh, kind of the whole franchise prototype and repeatable systems and working on your business. I think that was the first time I'd heard that concept about working on your business. So, you know, at the time, anybody that starts a business, they, um, you know, you're working literally daylight to dark, you're coming home, you're trying to pay the bills and send out proposals and, and just you're doing everything. And, um, it seemed like that working on the business was going to be this impossible feat for me. Um, and, and so um, I ended up breaking down. I called her um, or I called Emeth Revisited and they assigned me to this coach and, and she was my executive coach for, for a couple of years. And then I hired another coach after that. So coaching has just really been a part of my own personal culture. Um, and so, and I think that, my coaching style has, is really a kind of a melting pot of everything that I've learned through these other professionals um, that have done it for, for so long. Um, and um, so that's, that's, you know, led us into the rebranding of Melosi. And when we rebranded Melosi, we um, retooled our, our core purpose and our core values so we've, we believe in the, the Rockefeller habits, so we don't have your standard mission, vision, values. Um, so we really um, holistically believe in a core purpose and what gets us out of bed in the morning. And then our, our pillars are our core values and uh, our core purpose is let's grow beautiful together, um, which from an internal standpoint is really just about coaching and, and growing your team around you in, in whatever capacity that looks like for each individual person. So um so that's my my story miles
0: no that's 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 pretty neat i, I like that uh i'm sure that the other guys have a lot a lot to say too so um definitely hop in here but i just well, just like yeah, the that... one note i'm sorry i was just gonna say the one note of just like loving just having good examples of good coaches in your life and like listening to those coaches i think is like the nugget that i like pick out there because i, I find that's true in my life too it's just like things change when you start listening. Right. And then when you start listening, actually applying, then you're like, Oh, they're right. You're not like trying to fight against the system. So, but yeah, go ahead, Neil.
2: No, I think, I think you're um, totally on point. I love the philosophy because I share the philosophy, right. I've always had a coach for everything. It's like the first step is go hire a coach who's been there and can help you. And even when I coach other people, I still have my own coach, right. To help me coach other people better. So, um, coaching is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, I have struggled though, as a coach, finding that some people aren't as coachable as others. I don't know if you've encountered that at all and how you manage it. Uh,
1: absolutely, Neil. Uh, I think some people, um, will, so I also adopted philosophy that every person has to own their own growth. Technically, uh, you're, you're just, uh, providing them with the environment um, and and I also think that you can help assist them with the vision because not everybody has a very clear vision even for their own, for themselves. Um, but I'm big on on don't worry about knowing exactly where you're going. You just got to get started, right? Because nothing happens until you start moving. And so that's one of the big things that I try to focus on with our team is don't don't get paralyzed by trying to figure everything out. Um, even though I'm a very detailed person, uh, one of our other core values is details matter. And um, I'm a, on a DISC profile. That's what's something else that we're big at, big on at Melosi is we, really sh- we do the DISC uh, personality profiles. And we've got a big wheel in our office, and it has everybody's cutout face. So we know what each uh, person's conversation style is, personality. Um, but you, you've got to get started. And um, and then once, once things get started, then you can help clear up that roadmap for yourself and those around you um, better, right? Because um, if you're just sitting there, you see the same picture. Um, and once you get going, you begin to see new things. And that's where opportunities uh, really come out. Um, so... Um, you know, and this, this may sound, you know, rude or crude, but we, we kind of adopt a philosophy that we either coach people up or we coach them out. Um, and I think that that's important, um, because we may also coach people and help people grow beyond what we can provide them. And that's one of the best compliments that any company, um, really could ever receive from an employee says, Hey, you know, you've helped motivate me to the point that, uh, and you, there's not a clear opportunity for me to go in the direction that I want. So I'm, I'm going to chase another dream. I think that's perfectly fine. Right at the core of our core purpose is that we really want to be able to coach people up or coach them out. Um, and we just want them to be successful, whether that's with us or with someone else.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting with the, uh, the whole like roadmap and like know, knowing exactly where you're going. Um, how do you get around? So I guess there's two perspectives from that, right? Like, so say if you have a person who's just starting out, right? It's a huge temptation, at least from my personal experience, to try to figure everything out. And then you kind of get overwhelmed. And, but how do you also, from a, like a manager's perspective, whether you're a new manager or been around for a while, like, how do you, how do you communicate that effectively where someone can fail gracefully? Because they're going to fail when they start getting going, right? Everyone messes up on something or doesn't do something perfectly. How do you communicate that? like appropriately I, that's always been a struggle of mine. I'm like, how do you, like, I can say all the things I want, but it's kind of an action thing too. Right. So it,
1: it is miles. It's funny that you said that at least with the lead in about, you know, failure or mistakes. Um, the quote that I put in our company's chat, you know, we use group me uh, one of our communication, one of the apps that we use. Um, we strongly suggested every employee, you know, download that so that we can communicate with them. But I, I, have Put a quote on there, take chances. Mistakes are never a failure. They can be turned into wisdom by Kat cora. That was the quote that I put in there for our team today. Um, Another core value we have is create and innovate. And um, I've had this conversation twice recently with one with one of our designers, another one with a project manager. And um, there's very high expectations um, at our company, and um, sometimes it's um, it can be heavy. Um, but, but I I tell everybody, look, look, nobody, nobody gets let go or fired for making mistakes. And, um, and I, am perfectly fine with people making mistakes. We just need to own it. And most importantly, we need to share it because there's a such thing as called collective intelligence. And we need to make sure that when we're making these mistakes that, um, you know, that's, that's the price of tuition to, you know, to, to getting better. Um, and it's the, um, it's, it's an opportunity. Um, so, and in order for us, I said we would be hypocrites if we didn't allow our employees to fail because you cannot create and you cannot innovate without failing. Um, and, uh, so, and then the same thing with, um, with growing pains, you know, growing pains makes me super excited, um, uh, because that means we're growing right if there's no pain happening inside an organization, then you're flat. Nobody, in my opinion, um, and Neil, you've, you're, you're a professional coach, so you see a whole lot more than I do, so I'm not, hopefully not coming across as if I know um, everything. These are just things that I, I witness inside our own organization and inside my family, um, is that unless something is broken or that we witness something that is wrong, we're a not really looking hard enough and or we're not moving forward and we're not growing. Um, yeah. And so, and I give, I give the analogy, my daughter, she came running in our bedroom about two 30 last week and was, was weep was crying. And I went from kind of like a light cry to like a, Oh my God cry. And, um, and frankly, I mean, it woke me up at two, you know, and I'm getting up early in the morning to go train and, I'm badly And, uh, but her little legs were hurting. Um, she's seven years old. Um, and I was sitting there asleep and, uh, and she actually, then she was like, this isn't even helping dad. So I was like, well, I'm trying baby, I'm trying. But I said, I said, honey, you're, these are growing pains. Right. And I think that's, that's a good analogy for business is that you will not grow without pain. Um, and you've got to be able to, you, you, you have to really, you need to celebrate that pain. And uh, just like, you know, Neil, just like the, you know, the endurance athletes. And, um, you know, when I first started running and um, I was actually in Pigeon Forge, which oddly enough with Courtney was talking about over uh, New Year's Eve. And we were sitting there at family retreat and um, my nephew and I said, Hey, let's do an Ironman. And we went out and ran. And I think we did maybe like a half mile. We had to stop because we were just gasping for air. Um, but, you know, you stick with it, and you stick with it, you get better, and you get better, and you get better. So, like, yesterday's pain is today's gain type thing. Um, and it's the same way you build muscle. You have to break it down in order for it to repair itself to get better and get stronger. So um, so that's the way I look at mistakes and just growing pains in general.
2: Yeah, there's a ton there. And certainly I don't have all the answers, right, <laughs> even though people pay me to coach them. Um, you know it's it's a learning curve too on what works and it's always individualized right so we have hunches and we have ideas but it's it's always that that process and and you know i think with mistakes the concern is like oh this mistake's going to cost so much right um, but if somebody's not learning and growing then they're probably going to leave the organization the number one desired or the number one characteristic that gallup has found for employees seeking a job is growth and development opportunities in fact i don't know if i ever brought up this story but i quit my first job uh in the industry because i requested to go to a conference and was told i could pay my own way and take my own vacation and i was like cool sounds good and i did and then i got recruited while i was there Intentionally, and I came back and gave my boss a week's notice because I'm like, this isn't the right environment for me to to flourish, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you know, we're afraid of the mistake and the cost with it. Uh, but the cost of losing an employee is one and a half to five times their annual salary. When you add up, you know, the mistakes the new guy's going to make, and the cost to recruit and interview, and the time lost and the training, it's substantial. So it's always cheaper to keep who you got and work with them and get them to that level than to try and replace them, not to mention finding talent so tough. But I was just talking with a a CEO the other day and he was really upset because one of the salespeople we were trying to work with was going to make a mistake. They were headed towards a failure and we could see it happening because we'd been there. And I said, well, Chuck, why do you, know that that's wrong right like why are you so sure that this person's going to make a mistake and he says well because i made that same mistake 10 years ago and i said don't you think it's it's really unfair to rob her of the learning opportunity just because you already experienced that mistake like how's she going to get better if we don't let her fail at this and it's hard to watch because you know there's you know you you hope that collective intelligence you talk about has some effect there but it's the only way we get ahead.
0: I don't know. I take it for granted. Right. So like Taylor, did you have anything like in your life that kind of stood out that made you like, make sure that you modeled, like that made you make sure that you modeled this to your team, right? Like this idea of failure or, um, of like this whole, this whole idea, because I think it's, for me, it comes naturally, but I don't know for others, it probably doesn't come as naturally or you have to be able to coach through that. So, did you have anything like that kind of push you that way, or is it you just took advice and kind of ran with it?
1: Um, Miles, I, I can't think of a, of an event, um, but I, I, a lot of times again, I go back to just how I was raised, um, hmm. and I was allowed to make make mistakes. Of course, when <laughs> you know, I got in trouble for for certain you know mistakes as as most uh, young. You know, kids and teenagers and early adults, uh, as long as you're living under the the household, and living under the roof of of your parents. But um, but in, in the vein that we're talking about now, I was just I was allowed to make mistakes and um, and wasn't punished for it. So I think that again became part of my personal culture, um, that that really helped um, has, has helped you know, and I've, and I've brought that along into. Into to how I'm raising my kids and or partnering with my wife to raise my kids and, and how we coach, um, you know, these young children for with flag football or, or soccer or whatever that I might be a part of. And also at Melosi is you've got to be able to, to let people make mistakes. And I've done a, just a very, very, very small amount of, of consulting with some other small business owners. Um, and some of the toxic cultures that I have witnessed have been, Linked to owners that don't allow their team to make mistakes, and that that's the, the the main time that they sit down with an employee is when they make a mistake. I'm down with them when they are doing awesome, or just having a, a set schedule of time to sit down and coach with you, co- coach your team and, and be there to listen. Um, and I think that's the key is as a good coach is not just watching um, or talking, but has is really is is actively listening. Um, and so, because coaching is a, has a lot to do with helping someone get to where they want to go, not where you want them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can mix those two things together, you know, that's, that's when you're, you know, that, that's when the magic begins to happen. Um, when you can help somebody else experience what, um, what they want to experience and achieve what they want to achieve, then that's when it gets fun and gets easy.
3: I think I, I remember back uh, when I first started at Mariani and started working at Frank's house, uh, working a little more closely with him. And I was so nervous when I went in there, it was like, oh gosh, I'm at the owner's house. I can't make a single mistake. I, you know, everything's got to be perfect. And, uh, you know, I don't even remember what the instance was, but you know, something got screwed up and something got screwed up big time or whatever. And it was a good conversation. It was like, look, you know, I don't care if you make a mistake, just what did you learn from this? How are you going to get better? How are you not going to make this conversation that kind of clicked for me? And it was like, okay, um, you know, I can, I can take this, I can run with this. I uh, realize now, okay, we're not going to be perfect all the time, but how are we going to better ourselves? And how are we going to uh, tie that into coaching, you know, the teams that are working under me even uh, to, to realize that, okay, you can make a mistake, but, uh, what are we going to learn from it and and how, where are we going to go f- with it too?
2: I think that's awesome. And look what you said at the end with turning that around to the people who are reporting to you. I've always found the last mile of coaching to be the toughest one, right? Like how do you get coaching effectively into the field level? Um, you know, the owners, the presidents, they're, they're at the shows you bring in a consultant, they pull in the executive team Right, but how do you get it out of that out of the office and into the field and really coach and develop down because those are the people who are doing the work and arguably need it the most right
3: yeah i mean I think it's it's a it's a struggle I have every day uh, because you're dealing with i mean you're dealing with so many personalities and different types of learners and you have people who are going to be there who you know they're invested in one in 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 their position and they they want to do the best that they possibly can you have some people who uh, this is more a job for them and and they're not as interested in learning and trying to better themselves necessarily um and so it 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 becomes a struggle uh i think to to try and to try and figure that out and um you know working through it the best you can i mean one thing that i do a lot with, with my you know core leaders who are on my team is, you know, try and watch like an as they possibly can and, and understand and explain why we're doing what we're doing and, and make them think of that as well. Um, when we're, when we're having a training session or, or when we're just walking a property, you know, get them to better understand, um, reasons behind what we're doing and it's just not to, to to give orders or or do any of this there's a there's a reason there's a purpose of why we're doing that
0: taylor do you have any insight on that
1: um i agree with neil it's uh it's one of the toughest things um and you know right or wrong i put a lot of pressure on myself um for for uh for this within our organization i think that in order for anything to be important, it has to start with, uh, with your vision and, uh, has to be, has to come from, from the leader of the company. And, um, in, in this case, it's, you know, most of the time it's going to be the CEO of, of a small organization or president or owner. Um, and then you've got to make sure that there's this cascade effect throughout the whole organization. Um, and I'm a big systems guy. So, uh, I feel like we, we try to systematize everything. Um, so one of the things that we have done with, with some success and, uh, but is, um, is we've, we appoint coaches, um, even on the, on the crew leader level. And that's what's actually on their vest. And we explain what that means. Um, and then through group me, you know, I, one things that I've been really excited about as over the last couple of years is you'll, you'll find certain personalities that really um, they really love to be able to share their knowledge with other people. And I think that most successful people do. Oh, it's really yesterday of one of the crew leaders that had taught one of the newest crew members members after their 90 days, how to you know, run one of our, our walk-behinds. And so they're videoing them bragging, you know, look at, look at Carlos is doing now. And, Um, so you've got to make it part of your culture and, and then once you make it part of your culture, it does, it does help and it becomes more and more contagious, but, um, you just can't ever quit talking about it. Um, miles, you've just always got to be talking about growth and and training and, and what training means. Um, you know, talking about, you know, starting with the end in mind and the why always bringing up why it's important, uh, because, you know, training your, you're always wanting to train your replacement um, is really the, the mantra. And uh, the, the better the team is, the, the easier it is for you at the end of the day, right? Um, and so those are some things that we've done. <clears throat> we've also built out um, uh, Melosi University on the Lessonly platform. And so a lot of people are uh, kind of hip to technology now because we're hiring more and more, you know, guys and girls in their twenties. And so we're able to send out uh, those lessons directly to their phones. Um, and then you can manage that to make sure that they're going through and they're checking off the boxes and doing the quizzes and all of that stuff. And again, we've systematized that based on our horticulture calendar um, so that for every service um, we're training everybody uh, to that service and cross training. So, um, but, but we, there's no, there's no silver bullet. It's, um, I think those are the, the key points. Is the owner has to be uh, fully vested. I'll bring up, and this is R Indeed. Um, I don't know where I read it or where I heard it, but if you want to find what the company's about, is is to check their their P and um, So you know, if, if a company says that they're all about training, but they are spending hardly any money on on training or continuing education and also there's nobody in the organization that really is responsible yes and you um and so that's and we're also I'm not big on titles but I'm I'm big on on being intentional with words and uh that's why I, I hate the title HR generalist general very, being very specific and being intentional. So um, Carrie Nell, who's just a rock star for us, uh, she gave herself this title of HR generalist. And as soon as I saw it on her signature, I was like, what the heck is this? And she's like, that's my title. I said, no, it's not. I was like, we're not gonna be general at anything. I said, you're the director of employee success. And um, and I had probably ripped that off of some other company and thought it was cool and hip, but um, but it it's to the point, right? So she, her main responsibility is to make sure our employees are successful and and, and whatever means necessary. So we give her the budget to do so and the resources. Um, And even on the job description, we just hired a new operations manager. And one of the job descriptions that he has is to partner, not to help, but he is to partner with our director of employee success for training. Um, And we really feel like that that's a huge partnership. So it has to start at the top. And then you've got to figure out ways to mechanize that throughout the organization to make sure that it's ever present.
0: Yeah. That's a freaking, like, that's really good stuff there. Um, There's so much to unpack in that little, that little bit right there. Right. So one thing really quick, just hit on this. So you just like casually mentioned like, Oh yeah, we have coaches on our crew leaders vest. Like tell us more about that. Just like real tactical, because I think that's a cool tip. I've never heard of that. So
1: yeah, so we um, we are indeed this too. This is, again, we came back from, uh, um, I think, was at High Grove Partners um, oh, yeah. out, out of Atlanta. I think we were down there and they had um, vests and they did like, you know, if you were here for a certain amount of time, you got one color vest and if you're up, you know, another after 90 days, and so we came back, we immediately implemented that, and yellow, and, um, and we're intentional about making sure that everybody's paying attention to the guys and girls in orange vests to help make sure that they know where they're going, they know what to do, and that they're getting assistance, again, to be successful and helping train them, but, uh, but on the vest, we have appointed certain crew leaders that we feel like that um, can carry that torch and really pass on you know, the legacy, their self-legacy, right? Because we've got some really amazing employees. And it's like, you've got a lot to offer. And, um, and these are things that you can look back and see your thumbprint on so many different areas of our business and other teams' uh, success. And um, so we've, we have a few, hand, a few um, anybody in an operations management position is considered a coach, but we also appoint what we would consider to be like a senior crew leader. We also have coach on their, on their vest. Um, and then that's that's one way that we'll funnel some of our new team members through their crews as as kind of a vesting process and kind of a mentorship process before they get you know sent out to maybe a new crew. Now, everybody knows how our industry works. We do not always get to run everything as as neat and clean as I'm saying sometimes it's it's um you know. You know, it's the whole, you know, heartbeat test. And, you know, once they pass their drug test and background check, then, you know, we throw a vest on. You go out to the crew because we got to go get some stuff done. But, uh, um, but we always try to recenter ourselves as soon as we get out of those sticky, you know, times of our season.
2: That, that's the other um, metric I always look at, Taylor. When somebody says we're all about training, uh, obviously, like you say, how much do they actually invest in it, the job? <laughs> in your busy season, and you're doing you know office work or book study or online work uh it, when things slow down in in august or whatever or or january, it's like two months isn't going to cut it for your continual development right
1: well, something else we do neil and you you guys will find that i do i have not uh I probably haven't come up with anything original on my own in my my whole entire Life Um, and so all of these successes that we found, the failures were mine. The the successes I took from somebody, Um, but I was really impressed with what Marty Grunder does. And he was bringing in, and he may still do this, but was bringing in his crew leaders during the during the green season uh, for about an hour a week, uh, one one day a week, and uh, his crew members would come in after that. And uh, that was something else that we adopted. Now we have quit doing that with, once COVID hit because of the way that we were training. Um, and it, it wasn't a budget cut. It wasn't anything other than just just a shift in policy in the way that we were we were doing because we were having to spread people out and we just really couldn't find a good way to, to continue to do that. So' it's, uh, it's literally on on our leadership team's agenda to try to figure out when we can start that back up because it's something that our team misses. Um, it was a great way for them to bond. Um, big on iron sharpening iron, you know, at our company. Uh, it's actually a tattoo that my buddy and I supposedly are going to get on, on a row. And so, but, um, but that, that's, that's something that's really was cool that we were doing. We've done that. We did it for a couple of years until, until March of this year. Um, but every single week we'd bring crew leaders in an hour early one day a week and we would physically train on something, whether it was how to stake a tree properly or, or you know, how to sharpen your blades properly. And it was a way that we could cross train because we've pretty much trained our construction team and our and our maintenance team on usually the same topic every week. Because, um, you know, you never know when you've got to switch gears and move someone from one crew to the other. Um, and um, it just, I think, set our team up for a little better success and um, more sustainable um, so yeah, that's
3: the, the whole, uh, it's been interesting to hear and like talk with other, other landscapers about their training this year and, and things like that. I mean, it's definitely a heck of a lot different than, than most years. Uh, I mean, we're doing, well, at least me, I'm doing a lot more one-on-one training with, with my crews, uh, on a job site where we would do something very similar to what you, we're describing Taylor. We'd bring in our crew leaders, our crew leaders in training, things like that, once a week, and spend a uh, twenty minutes, half hour with them, uh, training over a specific topic. Um, and you know, even this year, we a, co- a group of us sat down and we really wanted to kind of revamp our, our training program to get it even even better and do something more similar to like what you, they you know, like an hour long thing or uh, a specific days of training throughout the year. And unfortunately, you know, the, the whole pandemic hit and we haven't been able to implement that yet, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, that's all, it's all really good stuff.
0: I've, I've been thinking about this recently a lot and there's this whole idea of, it's actually a specialized generalist. I don't know if you ever heard of this concept, but people had different approaches, you know, it's like one of those, it's a very generic word, right? Specialized generous generalist, but there's this idea, um, Tim Brown, he's the CEO of uh, a design firm, it's called IDEO, and he has this idea, it's called a T-shaped person. So essentially, you have a T, and the 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 long part of the T is the skill that that person has, right, to really get something done. But then the, the top of the T, the horizontal part, is really the empathy and interest that they have in other areas, right? So... He says that you know, if, 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 I hire, if I hire a whole bunch of people who are T, T-shaped people, like quote-unquote T-shaped people, we don't need people in our organization to become you know, co- cross-departmental collaborators, right? Because everyone's interested in each other's work on a surface level and, under, and interested in enough where they'll dabble in it so they know what's going on, but then also have the skill to execute what they, they're really good at and uh that's been really sticking with me lately on on that whole thing and i've been trying to see like you know how does that how does that transition to the landscaping industry and that idea i mean because it's easy for me to visualize it for like a designer or something like that where you're doing something very visual but when it comes to landscaping you know how do you get that t-shaped person effectively in your organization it made total sense to me but it's yeah. kind of food for thought no, that's
1: interesting, Miles. I think um, I could. I think that goes back to the, you know, we, we take the top grading approach to, to hiring and, and mm. really understanding, like, what you're looking for. And um, so take an operations person, like, going out, but they had no, you know, soft skills with, like, really training their team and had had zero empathy, didn't care about, which I think that those are still, you know, because you could have that really strong, like, I know how to go get work done, Um, but boy don't get in my way and you know that person's not going to be successful so um, I think a good job description has to to include kind of those that that top of the T and so um, because I mean I you almost look at it you can you're not really balanced you know if you just are kind of that singular focus so it makes perfect sense um, what that what that gentleman shared with you or or what you've um, learned from from him. I've never really thought about that, but it gives me, a, that's a good visual that you can latch on to when it comes to, to recruiting and hiring uh, the right team members.
0: Yeah, that, I, I mean, yeah, they really stuck with me like that. I'll send you the link. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, post it somewhere on the Young professional site so other people can see what's going on. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's cool. So uh, So we're wrapping up here. Uh, so we do this little segment at the end called the rose and thorn, you know, what's going on, we're, we're kind of stuck on a week by week basis. And uh, we ne- I need your opinion on this, though, because last time we had some hort professors on and we got criticized because it's supposed to be a rose and a prickle, not a thorn, right? Because the technical, I guess the technical horticultural phrase for a thorn on a rose is a, a prickle. It's so, a, it's
2: I looked it up. It's a protrusion of the bark cell itself. Well, actually, now they're going to write me in an actual separate appendage. It's it's the way it grows, so yeah, it's a prickle. We're going to a thorn or a the
3: the young professionals' email box is going to get loaded now with <laughs> with, the, with the professors from the last week.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, so um so that's, I, Miles, that's Miles. That's Miles's thorn is that he's caught up in in what? How to do we rename the segment to be horticulturally accurate or do we it's, like the
0: way Rose and Thorn rules? It's really not. Again, they're great. We can just, we can, you know what? We can especially reserve it for the educators in our, exactly. our audience. It was a great yeah. episode too. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was good.
1: If, um, but they, yeah, wouldn't so, seem, they wouldn't seem so smart if we didn't know. If, if everybody knew, then, you know, so I I would say Rose and Thorn, and then they would correct me, and then they seem really smart because they are, right? Exactly. You're the guest,
2: so that's what we're rolling with. This yeah. one's on you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Save the hate mail.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Luke, you can uh, you want to start us off? Oh man, no,
3: those are fists. I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I can... uh, no, I can start off. Um, Rose, uh, looking forward to some time off now. I got a little bit of time off, a of vacation coming up, so uh, looking forward to that. Haven't really taking much time off this summer and unfortunately, you know, you really can't go do anything uh, unless if you go isolate yourself in the mountains or something like that. Um, So I got that coming. Um, Thorn, I don't have any thorns in my life at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I got, I got nothing for that one this week, Miles.
0: It's a cop out, but we'll take it. I'm glad to hear that you don't have any thorns. Do you have any prickles though? Uh, No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I guess I can go next. Um, Yeah. So this, this past week is just a work and personal Um, been exercising consistently pretty much every day now for the past month. So that's been really cool. Um, It's been, it just feels really good. Um, A thorn. I, I don't really, yeah, I actually, to be honest, I don't really have many thorns this week. I mean, it's just, I think the thorn is just busyness, you know. Just you just get caught up in so much stuff that like doesn't actually move you forward, but it's necessary stuff. So I mean, maybe it moves you forward or, like a little bit, but it doesn't move you forward as like the good like you know creative or like and those just just like little meetings that pop up and um it's like gosh, they're 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 necessary I, and I
2: love I love my team. That's all I got. I'll go. Um, this on Tuesday I. I just got caught up in everybody else's schedule. So I ended up with eight solid hours, zero breaks of uh, online video coaching. And it was like, I was caught in the adrenaline. It was fun. Like we're making a lot of progress, but then I stepped back at the end of the day and like my head was just pounding from the video chat aspect of it. Um, And it's been just, it's been so tough to recover. So that's my thorn. But fortunately my rose is so good, I don't even care. Because this week is Shark Week. How can you be mad at anything during Shark Week, right? Every night, something great about sharks on TV, and I'm stoked. That, that's fantastic. Thanks for all
3: the, uh, the baseball you had to miss for, for earlier this year. Ten people yeah. up in yeah. this week.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Taylor?
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go. I'll start the, the big rose um, is uh, that we got our grading permit this week and uh, talked to our civil contractor today and they're starting on our site work on Monday for our new new uh, facility and so you know 18 and a half years that will come to an end next next summer so just really excited about breaking ground on our new facility and so it's going to be a um, just a big monumental milestone for us and uh, and also just the excitement of our team our team we're gonna have two bathrooms guys can you believe that we don't
2: have to share <laughs> a <amazing>. bathroom miles
3: <laughs> the, miles where's <laughs> the soundboard with the uh, the applause and yeah Woo! yeah, yeah. So,
2: that's how, you, that's how yeah. you know you made it as a company yeah. by the way for all of our two listeners. bathrooms
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we we have one bathroom in the shop and we're just we've been busting at the same we've got people working at their house before COVID hit just we don't have the space and um and uh, we had to turn my office into a conference room. Um, but yeah, so that's the, and we've got a port-a-john outside for the guys. And um, so guys are going to be excited to actually be able to use the restroom with air conditioning um, when we get our new shop. So um, for that, and then I would say the, and I shared with you guys' perspective on on how I look at what's, you know what's can be perceived as negative um is is really it's just kind of disguised as opportunities but um but we've had a little a little chatter around the shop you know recently where we just had it's kind of the perfect storm whenever you have a tenured operations manager leave a company and then like the trying to onboard a new person and the and then the, the the second person in charge had to be out for um for back surgery and then they came back and went on vacation and then just like you know, we've, so we've had a month long of just kind of, you know, different things, but fortunately we have, we've hired an amazing operations manager and, uh, but just kind of the HR things that come along in in small companies where you're, uh, you know, a tenured operations guy leaves and bringing in someone else. And then, you know, all you never get everything like completely recorded, like, Hey, where was this? And where was that? And you're, you know, so there's just, uh, there's been a little bit more disorganization than what our company's used to for the last month or so. So that's kind of been our thorn we've been working through.
0: That's real, man. I'm glad you, and thanks for sharing that. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys got any more questions for Taylor, but uh, we appreciate you having on, man. Um, before, we, uh, before we close off though, we definitely got to ask, you know, what's, what's, your, what's your grill tip um, for our amateur grillers out there? Uh, to make you know a pretty kick-ass steak what do you got
1: um the right temperature and the right meat that's that's it you can okay. uh you that's
0: it that's all right you're gonna give us what's the right meat? meat what's what's the right temperature
1: you gotta find a butcher so find a butcher um any listeners that own grocery stores you know turn turn it off but i don't like buying my meat at the grocery store we've got a local butcher i like to go to you know it's uh you're gonna find your best meat at the good butcher. Um, number one.
2: What's and, your favorite uh, cut then? What's your favorite steak to get? Uh,
1: well, I mean, I, if I'm having a lot, a lot of people over, then uh, then I'll I'll make a whole, you know, beef tenderloin. Um, but otherwise, I'm just getting individual uh, fillets. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's about it's about the right temperature. A lot of people try to cook it too hot um, or too fast. And, um, and I'm a gadget guy, so I've got a, you know, the Bluetooth, you know, thermometer, so I can come in here and, and be cooking my sides and, and it'll beep about 10 degrees, you know, less than what, uh, what I want the internal temperature to be. I go out there and pull it off and bring it inside and let it rest and, you know, put a little butter on top of it. It's, it's fun. It's fun. I We, we've, uh, I like to have people over where we've got the house. I try to bring the family over. There's 22 in my immediate family. Um, and so we love to have people over for food.
3: Well, well, when, when this all passes, we'll all be down for, for a feast. Yeah, we we got to a remote, remote, yeah. remote podcast. Yeah, we'll, over we'll, totally. we'll, we'll come and check out your new building and, and yeah. then you can, you can cook for us.
0: That'd be great.
1: <laughs> That'd be
0: great. Luke's just, Yeah. Yeah, thanks Luke for inviting us to uh Malosi's <laughs> yeah.
3: place. Yeah. To <laughs> we'll, to... we'll check it out.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. We'll do uh, we'll do site tours and we'll... yeah, that'd be that actually be pretty cool. So awesome. Well, Taylor, thanks so much for joining us. Um also a big thank you to our listeners who always who listen to us week in, week out. Uh, the Young Professionals Network appreciates your support. As always, let us know what you want to hear by leaving a review or sending an email to young professionals at landscapeprofessionals.org. And don't forget to tune in next Thursday for another great episode. Uh, Thanks so much, guys, for joining on, and uh, we'll catch you later, all right? Thanks,
3: guys. Yeah, thank you, Taylor.
1: Take care.